Up World. It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You listen to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week on Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Woo! Saturday was a fun one in the Moda Center as the Blazers blew out the Denver Nuggets to even the series 2-2. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to break it all down in this episode. I want to talk about Nurk. I want to talk about Norm. I want to talk about everyone else who wasn't Nurk and Norm, but we'll start with those two and then move to the rest of the notes. The Blazers were absolutely dominant on Saturday, leading by as many as 33 points and turning the fourth quarter into a formality, sending Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets to the bench to watch the final 12 minutes because the game was over. They blew the game open in the third quarter, a a fantastic first half in which they only gave up 47 points, and then a 36-19 third quarter that changed the game, a plus 17 third quarter that turned a pretty important impressive first half where they're up 10 and you feel like you know this is as well as Nurk can play and man Norm's been really good and wait till Dame gets hot and all these things and then they the Blazers just turned it on in the third quarter played as good a 12 minutes as they've played perhaps all season certainly all series and ended this game turned it into a rout sending Nikola Jogic to his worst ever single game plus minus in his career a minus 32 That's more fun trivia than like a telling stat. The Nuggets were down 33. Of course, their best player who had played a whole bunch of minutes was a minus 32. That's how it works. It's a team stat. The Blazers whooped their ass and Jokic was on the floor for that ass whooping. And you know why Jokic was on the floor for that ass whooping? Because the best player on the court on Saturday was Yusuf Nurkic. That's right. A seven footer from the Balkans dominated a playoff game and it wasn't Nikola Jokic. Yusuf Nurkic was the best basketball player on the floor and it started right away. Like you just, you knew on Nurk's first couple touches that he was going to be, um, that he was locked in, right? Like he, he caught the ball in the short roll and finished around Aaron Gordon, made it like a quick decision to get to his right, didn't roll over Gordon, didn't take an awkward dribble. Then maybe four possessions later he caught again same thing Gordon Gordon reacts knows that Nurk's gonna go right he just he went up strong got fouled made his free throws those little things you know or you can typically see it early with Nurk like he's the the subtle little things like the difference for him is usually in the margins it's like is he focused is he gonna make a good decision here is he gonna is he gonna do you know is he is he going to rush himself is he going to is he going to take a stupid foul is he gonna like in game three I thought he played really hard but a couple times he gambled and got out of position one time he gave up a three another time he gave up a uh like a silly reach in foul on on uh on Jokic, like it's it's little stuff like that. Stay home, stay smart, stay within the game plan. Uh, w- within that game plan, the Blazers changed up their pick and roll defense very subtly in Game Four. Uh, if you watch uh, the, I didn't notice this live, but Terry Stotts mentioned it, and I rewatched it to kind of get it. Um, this is sort of the difference in sitting upstairs in the Moda Center and being an NBA coach with a plan. Uh, I didn't notice this like in in real time, but it's it's pretty obvious when you rewatch the both games, which I was able to do since we had an afternoon game, and I'm recording this on a Sunday morning. Uh, 
the Blazers, particularly with pick and rolls with Nikola Jokic, just stayed more attached to his body. You watch Nurk uh, in Game Three; he dro- he drops off a little bit to help contain the pick and rolls, and then they try to recover back. Uh, they did that with other bigs too. Uh, in Game in, in Game Four, they were staying super attached to Jokic on those pick and rolls. They were going under on almost everyone's pick and rolls, Austin Rivers and F- Faku Campazo, uh, and daring those guys to shoot. They were just pulled in a little bit more. I uh, will talk a little about the defense in the third segment, but Nurk was Nurk was so locked in, and one of the things he he said after the game, uh, he had this whole thing about how Kendrick Perkins called him one of the worst defenders in the world or worst defenders in the league. And he called Kendrick Perkins a clown and all this stuff. And I'm not here to parse the Twitter beef. I think Kendrick Perkins is a doofus who clearly doesn't watch the Blazers. Uh, use of Nurkic agrees, whatever. Uh, find find that content anywhere else. I want to talk about the basketball stuff that he uh, that. Nurk mentioned. He said that he was what he's really trying to do in this game was show his hands. And I think this is sort of like the way you have to coach NBA defense now and a really important thing for Nurk. He gets caught on stupid fouls because he's gigantic and he can get a little handsy. And when he doesn't show his palms to the referees, what's happening with, uh, Jokic doing those hook unders and grabs and, and fighting for position is you can't see Nurk's hands and it feels like he's doing the pushing and pulling and grabbing, but it's actually Jokic. Plenty of good players do this. Um, I know Blazer fans, uh, <laughs> get mad at Jokic for doing this, but like this is the game. Um, it's, it's how the league works. And the way you, you thwart that is that Nurk was really, really, really good at, at showing his hands. So that's playing big, keeping your hands up. If you actually watch the bench, um, when the nuggets were coming down, uh, both Zach Collins and maybe a couple others with him were putting their hands up big and wide and showing their palms as a reminder of show your hands, be big, like show, just show your hands, be big. Uh, you know, don't, don't get caught reaching. Don't get caught. in if he's trying to post up of like sort of hand fighting down on the post, cause they're going to call you for those away from the ball fouls. Dude is a superstar and an MVP. Nurk was so good. He stayed home on, uh, Jokic's uh, Jokic's pump fakes. He, he made him, he just stuck him one-on-one in a way that really, really, uh, that really, really helped change change the outcome of this game. He was the best player on the floor. But in addition to uh, just Nurk being good, Terry Stotts, Terry Stotts fixed what he did wrong in Game Three. He matched Nurk's minutes exactly with Jokic's minutes. So he, so Nurk was on the floor every minute Jokic was. This was the obvious adjustment. You can scream that it took too long. We spent the Game Three recap pos- podcast screaming about this was the obvious solution. Terry Stotts got there. It worked. They dominated the game. Match your, he matches minutes. Uh, Ronnie. Jefferson played the backup minutes. We'll talk about that in the third segment. But also, Nurk, in addition to this great one-on-one defense, and some of that is just Jokic missed. He missed a couple jumpers that he, he's been making. You know, like he's he's so 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 good. Some of it is like Blazers got a little bit lucky because there were some mid-range jumpers and the the Sambor shuffle, which is kind of like that Dirk Dirk fadeaway that uh, Jokic has patented. He missed a couple of those. Uh, I I just rewatched the game this morning. He I I counted four jumpers that were absolute cash in the first three games that he just missed just in the first half. Uh, those go in as a little bit different, but whatever you, um, the, I mean, Nurk, you gotta, you gotta live with that. That's what guarding a star is like, right? Nurk was fantastic there. They also mixed in a couple post-ups for Nurk. They gave him some touches, let him go right at Jokic. One of them, he had a turnover on, um, but when they threw the ball in the post, one of the things I noticed was that Carmelo Anthony jumped up off the bench. He was sitting like, not on the actual chairs, but kind of like on the baseline now with the giant, huge, socially, physically distanced benches. Uh, he jumped up and was like, go at him, go at him, like really hyped up into it to go to go and attack Jokic and to be um, aggressive. And and they fed Nurk not only just on that turnover, but a couple other times. He scored twice over Jokic in the post, keeps him engaged, keeps Jokic, gives makes Jokic work a little bit more. Blazers also put uh, Jokic in a ton of pick and rolls. They're always going to do that because one, five pick and rolls are their bread and butter, but they went after him. 
and Nurk was the best player on the court. He was blocking shots. He was he was um you know, he, they were running some offense through him. He was he didn't have this big assist game, but he was he had 17-6 and two blocks and he felt much much louder than that. This was as good as Nurk has played perhaps ever in a Blazer uniform and like I said, the absolute best player on the floor. But it happened not okay, so it happened for so many reasons, right? It happened because Nurk himself played better, played smarter, showed his hands, stayed home, didn't reach, didn't jump, you know, didn't commit stupid fouls. You stay out of foul trouble, committed just two fouls in the first half um and then and and one in the one in the third quarter and then didn't play at the end of the game like he was he was as good as you could possibly he can possibly be in the first half right but so Nurk plays better Nurk plays smarter they change up the defense a little bit Jokic misses some shots and the Blazers are smart about how they use Nurk on the offensive end it's all it's all of those things like it's uh I think we tend to think things are like super binary but Terry did a better job coaching with the game plan. Terry did a better co- job coaching, matching Nurk's minutes with Yoke with Jokic. Nurk did a better job being smart, not fouling, not gambling. Uh, and the Blazers were uh, focused on getting their big man right. And like, it, he is, you know, we can say it a million times in this space, but Nurk is going to be the key to everything they do. And he has been for so long when he is good. And I don't think it's reasonable to think that he's going to just like dominate Nikola Jokic in the rest of the series. Like, um, look for Jokic is so freaking good. The big games are coming, but this was a night where, where Jokic dominated him, uh, or where Nurkic dominated Jokic. Like, Nikola Jokic started one for seven and, and zero for one from the field in the in the in his first shift. He was five of fifteen and zero for three uh, early in the third quarter until he really got going. Finished seven of eighteen, so really got going means he made two out of his last three jumpers. But like he, this was this was as good as as and as dominant a performance as as Nurk could possibly have. Dame said something after the game that like when Nurk is right, we're so different, and I think that's that's not just like being smart, not, not fouling and, and all this stuff. It's, it's being mentally locked into the plan. And I think one of Nurk's, Nurk's problems and kind of the difference that separates good players from great ones is like that, a mental consistency to play that way. But I think this helped, whether it was Kendrick Perkins calling him the, one of the worst defenders in the league and him w- really wanting to show that he's not only a, a, one of the pretty good defenders in the league, but he could be a dominant force against MVP, whether it was a tweet, whether it was a tweet from someone at ESPN who literally has probably never watched a Blazer game. Um, and maybe doesn't watch much NBA basketball, period, except when it's on his own network, or if it was just Nurk knowing what they needed. Like, when Nurk first came to Portland in 2017, he was the game changer, right? And he was huge in big games, including a game against Jokic and the Nuggets, where he was freaking awesome and then wished them a happy summer in the post-game interview. Dude loves to show up and loves to be the guy. Uh, I said after this game, this was happy summer Nurk. This was big game, big moment, brash, bold, dominant, all those things. This was Nurk. This was Nurk channeling that stuff. And, and maybe he needs to be slighted. Maybe he needs to be insulted by someone paid a handsome sum of money to be stupid on television. And, and, and that's cool. That's like if whatever you need to get there. Uh, but this was Nurk as the best player on the floor. Can Nurk sustain this? Can Nurk be the best player on the floor for three more games or, or two more, two more wins? You know, probably not. But the point is that the Blazers survived this game where, and we'll talk about this later, Damian Lillard went one for 10 from the floor and Nurk was the best player on the court. You, you put that, or say like, you just think about it like this, uh, Dame only made one shot and Blazers best player was Yusuf Nurkic. That, that feels like a loss. Instead, it was a dominant, dominant win, but it wasn't all Nurk. There was more help there. And that's what I want to talk about in the second segment. 
You know who else was kicking ass from the jump? It was Stormin' Norman Powell. Norm, who had struggled in this series, had a monster game for helping the Blazers secure this blowout win. And that's what we'll talk about in the second segment is Norm. But first, let's talk about Indeed. Look, if you're hiring or you're a hiring manager or you're just looking for quality candidates to add to your company, what you really need is help making your short list of those quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality short list of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster, only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications, and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately, and Indeed skills tests that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. And you can choose from more than 137 skills tests and then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for the applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, so if you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market. I've been telling you about Built Bar for a long time. I've also been eating Built Bars in my home for about just as long because I love them. They come in nine delicious flavors like coconut almond and cherry, mint brownie, salted caramel. There is something for everyone. If you don't know what you like, get a mix box. You can get two of each of their nine flavors. Try the one, try all of them, decide what you like and get more from there. Or you can customize boxes and say, listen, if you're, if you're like me, you're like, I like the peanut butter brownie ones. <laughs> let me, let me get mostly peanut butter brownie and then we'll fill in the rest. But you can, you can go to builtbar.com, customize your box, figure out what you like, or if you know what you like, get exactly that. All of these in the, in addition to being delicious, covered in hundred percent chocolate and having that candy bar like texture, they also pack a lot of punch. They've all got at least 17 grams of protein and all have at least or fewer than five grams of net carbs five or fewer i should say that's how math works so listen good and good for you go get yourself some go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked 15 you'll get 15 percent off your first order that's locked 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com The Blazers kept their season alive. I mean, 3-1 isn't over, but 3-1 is trouble. A must-win game four, and the Blazers didn't just win it. They rolled through it, which is a reminder that our coverage of the NBA playoffs is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this postseason. All right, we talked about Yusuf Nurkic, a dominant performance, the best player in game four. The best seven-footer from the Balkans in Game 4. The best dude on the court in Game 4. But Nurk didn't do it alone. <laughs> the Blazers didn't win this game because Yusuf Nurkic had like a really a really quality 17 and 6 and really and good, you know, played solid defense. He helped, but it's a team sport and and one of his teammates really went off and had it just showed out. Uh, the Blazers leading scorer in Game 4 was none other than Norman Powell. 
I want to talk about how Norm started this game and how he finished this game, but here's how he was serenaded when it was all said and done, as recorded on my cell phone from the top of the lower bowl inside Moda Center on Saturday. So how do you get the crowd of 8,050 cheering you on after you've checked out the game with four minutes and 24 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter? Well, you just go 11 for 15 from the floor and score 29 points, including hitting all four of your three-pointers. Norm started four for four from the floor, attacking the rim, hitting his corner three-pointers, and just generally being aggressive. This was, you know, Norm had come into this game. Uh, he was he was struggling. I don't think there's I don't think there's any other way any other way to put it. Like Norm was not good in the first three games. He had he was three of thirteen from three. He was sixteen of thirty four overall from the field, shooting below fifty percent from the field, shooting a a very very poor three of thirteen from deep. He hit more threes in game four than he had in the first three games combined. Like Norm wasn't good. And then with the Blazers' season on the line, Norm was great. And you could tell from the freaking jump. Norm scored the Blazers' first basket of the game. Then he had a steal on a bad pass from Jokic. Then he's and, and then he made a layup on the uh, in semi transition. Like in the first minute of the game, Norm had basket, steal, basket, and the Blazers had played really hard and really smart to begin Game Three. Right, like the intensity was there. A lot of people, I think, the the tendency is like when they win to be like, oh, they just turned up the intensity. I thought the intensity was there in in early in Game Three. Like they started really well. It was just they had that terrible stretch when Anascanter came in and they never got back. They never recovered from the final five minutes of the first quarter. We talked about that a bunch in the podcast that posted on Friday, so we won't get into that here. Uh, but they the intensity that norm showed kind of he was able to sustain throughout the game and he was just he was just so 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 good like late in the second quarter when the blazers before they turned this into a route norm hit a uh, hit a 3 and then uh the ball sw- he swung the ball to cj as a part of you know defense collapses on norm being aggressive coming off a curl the ball finds cj in the corner and cj hits a little runner now the blazers are up 10 with 2 minutes left before halftime Early in the third quarter, Norm drove to push the lead to 17. And then a leak-out dunk in transition. With about five minutes remaining in the third quarter, a dunk that he got behind Monte Morris, slammed it home, let out a roar. The place erupts. The the Moda Center that I thought was kind of weak on Game 3 was rocking in Game 4. Helps that the Blazers were up by a whole bunch and ripped the game open behind Norman Powell in this third quarter. But... He gets out, he dunks on a hit-ahead pass from Damian Lillard. Mike, Michael Malone calls the timeout and puts his spreads his hand wide to be like, what the hell are we doing? Like, why? what are we doing? Kind of yelling at Monte Morris. Like, what the hell was that? And Norman Powell's dancing back. I mean, not dancing because he's kind of intense, but doing a little skip back, pumped up. He's He is feeling it. In the first half, as the Blazers built themselves a 10-point lead, Norman Powell had 13 points on five of six shooting and hit three of three threes. Both two of them coming from the corner where the Blazers were better at finding him in the corner. They had actually done a good job of that in the second half in game in game three. He just he airballed one and missed another one badly. And then in the third quarter to rip this game open, Norm goes four of five from the floor. Basically all on all on pull-up jumpers and, and and aggressive attacks to the rim. Had 10 points again in the third quarter. And the game was over at that point. 
So while Yusuf Nurkic was the best player on the court, the most impactful, a, a, a dominant uh, defensive performance that allowed the Blazers to do all the things that they wanted to do on defense, we'll talk about that more in just a moment, but uh, he doesn't do this without, without Norman Powell. And quite frankly, the Blazers lose this game regardless of how good Nurk was without Norman Powell because uh, Damon Lord was one of 10 from the floor. Now, Dame was really good. Um, he he started with nine assists and no turnovers and then got maybe, maybe a, qu- a questionable charging call was his only turnover, but finished in this crucial game uh, just with 10 assists and one turnover. Uh, Dame's been rebounding relatively well in this series, and he continued to do that. You know, came up two rebounds short of a triple-double. The Blazers didn't turn the ball over, but... All of those things are predicated on someone going to get buckets, and that was Norm, who matched his playoff career high with 29. And when he left the game with, when he finally checked out of the game with about five minutes to go, he got serenaded with the chance of his own name from the the crowd of 8,050 strong inside the Moda Center. He claimed, although I couldn't see it from my seat, that it even made him crack a smile. And Norm, not one to crack a smile, about as intense a dude during the game as you could possibly imagine. And in this game, he's driving right at Nikola Jokic's chest and flexing. He's hitting threes and screaming back at people. He's yelling at Michael Porter Jr. And he not only did he have 29, he was all over Michael Porter Jr., who had who in game one went 11 of 11 from two. Did not attempt a two-point shot in this game because Norm was up in his shirt was physical and took him out of the game. A dominant offensive performance, a fantastic defensive performance. That's how you get your name cheered from a sellout crowd at your home arena. Albeit a smaller sellout than perhaps the Portland basketball is typically used to during during this time of year. But uh, Damian Lord's already campaigning for more for more fans for Game Six. A lot of a lot of things about this Norman Powell uh, sort of performance standout to me. One, this is the type of sort of Norman Powell playoff legend stuff that made him such a fan favorite in Toronto is that he would have, he, you know, he had these big moments, big games, playoff Powell type of stuff. And in some ways, this was a reminder of why you make this trade. You make this trade for someone who's done it before in big games, who's who's not afraid to shake off a three of 13 shooting, shooting performance in the first three games to just absolutely play with an intensity level and a confidence level that he can get there. But it's also just the downhill stuff. It's the Blazers ability to Damian Lillard was was, you know, didn't have a great offensive game. The ball, he got the ball out of his hands against kind of weak, weaker traps or maybe just like not as as crazy aggressive as we've seen or maybe just less effective. You know, I don't want to I don't want to put it all on effort, maybe just less effective traps because of because they got the ball out quicker and 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 Norm get is able to get downhill and get shots off out of those actions. That's exactly what you wanted. Was that threat? This is why you make the trade. It's for that threat of someone who can go get their own offense, who can get to the rim, who can attack, who can get free throws and is a capable shooter. You don't drop off much shooting, but you still get someone you you find someone who has this sort of individual offense and big game proven resume and this was playoff pal. This was how you get this is how you get your name chanted. This was exactly what the Blazers, why the Blazers traded for him. It was Nurk, then it was Norm, but the Blazers win this game as a complete as a complete team, and that's what I want to talk about in the third segment. Close the show talking about the other guys that helped that weren't Nurk and Norm, and what we can expect in Game Five as we now have a three-game series thanks to the Blazers keeping their season alive and making this come down to who can win two more. So. 
we will wrap up the rest of those notes in the third segment. But first, let's talk about bet online. It's just the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You want to bet on the Blazers winning game five? You want to bet on Norm's uh, point total? You want to bet uh, the Blazers are going to win this series? Just go ahead and call it now. You can do all of that on Bet Online, but you don't have to bet on the Blazers, the NBA. They got everything else you could possibly want to bet on: baseball, hockey, the WNBA, UFC, MMA, horse racing, anything you could possibly want. You're going to find it there on Bet Online. You can get you can get in on all of your sports betting action. So before the next pitch, before the puck drops, before the ball tips, get on over to their website, BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get a fifth. 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. The promo code is locked on. And with that, you will get a 50% welcome bonus when you make your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. And you're still listening to Locked on Blazers. We talked about the dominance of Yusuf Nurkic. We talked about the big game just just showing out big game play from Norman Powell. Uh, Blazers don't win this game without those two because this was a night where Damian Lillard went one for ten from the floor. A night where stars struggled. The Blazers role players, and I, I may be calling Nurk and Norm role players is rude, but the Blazers non-superstars were really, really good in the difference in this game. You know, Nikola Jokic finished with 16-9 on 7-18 of 18 shooting. He was not good. But he was, even that, is still a more productive night than Mr. Damian Lamont Ollie Lillard had. And the Blazers won this game because other people chipped in. Uh... I want to talk about those others. Kind of strangely, quietly, um, I thought CJ McCollum was was much better in this game. Um, again, like the box score stuff is kind of belies the eye test with CJ. I think um, his box score ended up relatively similar to uh, game three, and I think he was much, much, much better in game four. Um, you know, he had eight assists, I guess is a big difference. The ball was moving, but also like Norm was, Norm made 11 shots. Um he had, he had been way worse. Norm had made 16 total shots in the first three games. He made 11 in game four. So, like, there were more assists to be had because the ball goes in. That's just kind of how it works. But, like, CJ was just better. He didn't miss as many open threes. He made a couple runners. Um, there, was, there were still, you know, this wasn't the hyper-efficient dominant CJ, but this was his best game. And then when, like... I think in the moment, you're like, man, finally they're getting a good CJ game. But it was like Nurk had been so good and Norm had been so good that it ended up being kind of like a quiet bounce back night. But CJ was really good. I also thought this was Robert Covington's best defensive game of the series. Um, you know, he was better on offense here too. He he made some, he, he like got actual shots off. Like he, he took five threes. And I think that's like, that needs to be a benchmark for Rocco. Like he needs to take five threes. I don't even need, like, I'm not even makes don't matter as much. It's like, he just needs to take those shots. Like he needs to find himself a way to get jumpers. I mean, some of that, like people are going to say like, Damon, CJ pound the rock too much. I think that's bullshit. Like the ball, if you're smart, the ball will find you. Um, you're going to have limited opportunities when you play next to Damon, CJ, you've got it. Like the challenge for, for you to pick your spots. Uh, Rocco was better at finding ways to get himself free on offense in this one, but the, the but I thought he was fantastic on defense. He was helping off Aaron Gordon a lot more in this game. While while Norman Powell was like getting up into Michael Porter Jr.'s shirt, uh, the Blazers did a much better job of of helping maybe like a step in further and, and like really shrinking things up off of Austin Rivers, off of Compazzo, who had a terrible shooting night, and off of Aaron Gordon. Like th- this. It, 
what one thing I will say about uh, Terry Stotts is that he did not overcorrect in this game. Like he did the simple, easy thing. We'll talk about that in a moment. But he didn't say like the Blazers weren't that far away in game three. They did some stupid shit and some of it was the coaching staff just screwed up, but like they didn't, they weren't so far away in game three that they needed to like hyper, hyper correct. Like, uh, Austin Rivers made contested jumpers and made, and got some open jumpers. You've got to kind of take away what the, what the nuggets do best. And you kind of have to live with if the others make shots like that, that's a bummer, but that's just kind of like how playoff basketball works. You cannot game plan to take away Austin Rivers <laughs> when Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. Are on the court. Like you just kind of have to recover and, and, and think that you'll win the sort of percentage battle. And I think the Blazers were better in uh, game four about helping and recovering, making uh, making Jokic play. You know, Nurk was so good at keeping him in front, but also like the the Blazers crowded the paint better in this game. And I thought Rocco, uh, he, did, he started to do it a little in game two. He started to do it a little bit in game three. But in game four, he was much better at just sort of like timely doubles. Jokic puts the ball on the floor. It's late clock. You don't have a chance to swing, swing and pass the ball and really eat him up. And and Robert Covington would come over with just timely doubles, timely pressure, timely help. I thought he was really good. Um, I thought he was, this was, this was Rocco at his best offensively. I thought it was his best defensive game of the year, mostly off the ball, mostly off the ball. Uh, I sat in the end zone for this one. And I think being, um, having that end zone view really helped me um, appreciate how much ground and how, what, what a great timing defender Rocco is just like from not the, not the typical t- television view or where typical press row is on the side. Um, there was something about being in the end zone that I f- feel like made me appreciate Robert Covington more. So maybe it was just my, maybe it was my viewing angle that made it me have a really uh, pro Robert Covington take from this game. But I thought he was, I thought it was the best defensive game of the series. I thought he was great as a help defender and it, and it, um, and it sort of just changed everything. The other thing that changed everything is that Terry Stotts did the thing we've been yelling for. I didn't want to lead with this because I don't think this was a game changer. This was the obvious thing, and he did it. Uh, I mentioned it up front. Yusuf Nurkic matched Nikola Jokic's minutes. He played every single minute that uh, Nikola Jokic was on the floor. That's the whole. That's the whole first quarter. So Nurk has to play the whole first quarter, and then he sits, and then they and then they come back later in the second quarter and close it out, and then you play the whole third quarter. Like that's that's a that's a lot. That's a big ask for Nurk. Um, he's not a guy who's who's typically been um, sort of like pushing over. 30 minutes with consistency and playing at a high level, but it's what you have to do. You have to figure out if that's the plan. Jokic is going to have better games, but it's always going to be this. And then instead with the second unit, when the, when uh, the Nuggets bring in Jermichael Green and Paul Millsap, they go, they go relatively small on the, on the front line in the second unit. Instead of playing Ennis Cantor, he went, uh, Terry Stotts went with Rondé Hollis Jefferson. That's important. And it was the thing we were sort of yelling for in this this space. It was things some listeners mentioned in the mailbag episode earlier this week. Is you know I think everyone knew this was the solution, and Stotts was a little bit stubborn to get there, even a lot of bit stubborn to get there. But he got there, and he did it in a somewhat unconventional way, which I actually really liked. Uh, he put Rondé Hollis Jefferson in as like sort of nominally the backup five, right? Because he's like playing the minutes that Ennis Cantor would play. But he had Rondé Hollis Jefferson guarding Monte Morris. He guarded the point guard that put. Uh, Carmelo Anthony on Jermichael Green and Robert, uh, yeah, and excuse me, and Robert Covington, who was still in the game, on Paul Millsap. It also allowed the Blazers to switch ball screens. With the second unit, they are switching everything. Now, they had some miscommunications on those switches and gave up a wide open dunk to Jermichael Green, gave up uh, some good looks from three, one of which Green cashed in. Uh, they weren't super together, but 
where the pick and roll defense had been like stay home and stay attached with the starters with Nurk and Jokic in the game. It was switch everything with these small ball units in the second unit. I thought they did a, I thought they'd, like I liked the idea of it. The uh, when that first five minutes of the second quarter, the Blazers lost those minutes twelve six. They were minus six when Jokic was out of the game. That's a big deal, right? Um, that's not good. That's still probably a recipe for disaster on most nights is to lose those minutes. Uh, but they didn't lose. They didn't get killed in those minutes. It wasn't minus fourteen in five minutes. It was minus six in five minutes. These are the subtle changes. Like this is my whole thing. Like players play. Stotts did the right thing. <laughs> he put the right players on the court, and they still weren't great. Um, um, like the most important thing a coach does is decide who plays and when, but the, pl- and because once he puts you on the court, you got to go MF and do it. And this solution was the right choice. It was the, it was the right move. It's the thing that I th- feel like the, this podcast host and many, many of you dear listeners have been screaming for and knowing was the solution. And even then they're minus six in the first five minutes of the second quarter. And they had to bring Dame in a little bit early, right? Like players play. This was the right move. Um, I thought Rondé was fine. Uh, he was, he wasn't, uh, you know, he didn't change the game or anything like that, but he was fine. And this is the right, this is, this was the sort of tactical adjustment that Terry Stotts had to make. He made it. I'm sure we'll see it going forward. It's not an indictment of Ennis Cantor as a person. He's a bad matchup. The playoff is about ma- matchups. It took the coach longer than you'd want to get there, but he got there. So I think that's what we see. Here's why, here's what to look ahead, um, to game five, right? Like, um, you win by 20, they won by 20, but this is a 30 point game kind of when the starters went out of there and then the Blazers backups were slightly worse than the Nuggets backups in garbage time. But final margin doesn't really suggest like the same way the Nuggets won uh, game two by five or game three by five and they were, you know, 12 points better than the Blazers in this one. The Blazers won game four by 20 and they were 35 points better than the Nuggets in this one. It was an ass whooping. Uh, no way to, no other way to slice it. But like what, so you know, this is the onus is on you, right? When you lose this, then you're the team that makes adjustments. That's kind of, it's not always like that. Um, but, but I think that's sort of how it works. And I, I don't think there's like some big tactical adjustment coming, uh, in his post-game interview, Mike Malone mostly talked about effort and, um, and playing soft. He, you know, he just wants his team to play with more intensity. I thought in game two, the Nuggets clearly after they lost game one, ratcheted up the intensity and then, and the Blazers couldn't match that level of intensity. That's like, you just, um, you know, it's some in some ways it's all it's all relative but um and and it's a very results based to say oh look their intensity worked but like i expect the nuggets to play really really hard in game five uh really really hard does not mean anything other than like they'll be more like more aggressive and more attuned to the game plan and maybe their traps on dame where i thought they were somewhat passive in game four or just ineffective in terms of like Dame accepted him and got the ball out like the traps worked against the Nuggets because of how good everyone else was. But again, Dame goes one of 10. So like in some ways, maybe their game plan worked. But like what's going to change? One, Jokic is just going to make some of those shots. Um, Like I said, when I rewatched the game this morning prior to recording this podcast so I could sort of have it fresh in my mind when I'm talking about it to you, I thought Jokic missed in the first half when the Blazers were great and Nurk was great. This is as good a half of basketball as he could possibly play. I I thought Jokic missed four shots he could make. You know, instead of going one of seven, he maybe could conceivably have started that game five of seven. And then it doesn't feel as good. Like you don't, you don't get the results, even if the process is really, really good. Uh, Blazers pull in on defense and show, show more bodies in the paint and then recover quickly. Nurkic shows his hand. So he's not getting called for touch fouls. He stays out of foul trouble. He stays down. He makes uh Jokic shoot over the top. Jokic is really good. He's going to shoot over the top. He's going to score more points in game five. Like you're going to get good Jokic. And then the other thing I keep thinking about is 
At some point, the Michael Porter Jr. game is coming. I don't know when, but he hasn't been super good in the first four games of this series. He hasn't been bad. Like, I, I don't I don't mean to suggest that. But, you know, one of ten from three in game one, even as good as he was in uh, from two in that game, like, he wasn't, he was really, really bad in game three. You know, he, he had... In game one, like he had 25 points, like I'm not, 25 and nine. I'm not trying to say like he's bad, but like he was, you know, he he missed nine three pointers in that game. Then in game two, like he he just wasn't hyper efficient. He was good, but um he wasn't he wasn't hyper efficient at all. Shot under 40 percent from the floor. Uh, in game three, I don't think he was particularly good at all. Like I think he was off in game three. I know he made some three pointers, hit three threes, but I don't think he was very good in that game. And I thought that was one of the frustrating things about the Blazers losing game three was that like. You just you just didn't get much from Porter Jr. Like he just kind of had a meh game, and then you still end up find yourself losing. And then in game four, he was just straight up bad. Um, you know, one of three, to all three pointers, didn't attempt a two point basket, didn't get to the foul line, finished with three points and two turnovers. Uh, this was at, at some point he's going to have like he's too good of a scorer, and he's just kind of like a get hot type of guy. He's going to have like a really efficient twenty five in one of these games in the series. I worry that that's that's like the adjustment is like the Nuggets will play a little harder, and then the, and then Michael Porter Jr., who's had some just wild big scoring nights in this in this season and it's kind of his mini breakout season i hate to call like a second year guy breakout season but because he, he showed he was pretty darn good in the bubble too and uh but like he's he's i worry that like the mpj game is coming in the way that the norm game came like it was inevitable norm wasn't good in those three games and then he was when he was good he was great um i worry that that like i worry that the michael porter jr game is coming i worry that it's coming in game five like that would be that would be what i circle um in sort of like uh what what's gonna happen in game five is like obviously Jokic is gonna bounce back and all those things but the MPJ game is just, it's bound to happen even as well as Norm was up into him and after him and all those things. Like he's 6'10 with a ratchet to quote Chandler Parsons yet again. Like he can really, he can can shoot it. And at some point I feel like he's going to have a game where he hits four or five threes and, you know, and still continues to be a menace as a cutter. But the Blazers were much, much, much better taking him and taking Aaron Gordon away in this game. Gordon two of seven in game four uh, didn't make threes. He's not a three point shooter, uh, but the Blazers did a better job of sort of taking away I thought, um, I thought, you know, a couple times, uh, Gordon tried to isolate Covington on the, on the left side of the court and kind of go try to try and baseline, then get back middle. And I thought Rocco did a just fantastic job in that one-on-one challenge. Uh, he was, he was really, really good. The other thing in game five is that Dame is, Dame has struggled from three a little bit over the last couple games. He's seven of 22 in games three and four in the Moda Center. Uh, he made more threes in the in game two than he did in all of games three and four combined. Like the it's coming. It's coming from Dame. He's going to this is how uh this is how averages work. He's going to have a better shooting night. But the Blazers proving they can win a game where he has a terrible shooting night is a is a great sign for them. He had an excellent floor game and the Blazers won a game in which won a game by 20 in which he made one field goal. That's a good sign for Portland. In the same way that it's a bad sign for the Blazers that Michael Porter Jr. hasn't had the MPJ game yet. It's a really good sign that the Blazers just won a game in which Dame had a stinker. I mean, that's that is that is as as good as you can ask for. We've been talking about so much in this uh, on this podcast all year long, and the Blazers are going to go with as Dame does, you know, tracking his minutes off the court and talking about, you know, what, who can they get outside of him because he's a known quantity, and then he doesn't have um, a good game in Game Four, shooting the ball. He's great floor game in my opinion, his best floor game of the of the, of the series perhaps, and 
and the Blazers still win going away because they get their role players to step up. Like, this is what you want. You want a three-game series where your star player gets a chance to decide it. Like stars can change, um, can change, can change a a single game, and a single game at this point can change the series. Game five is Tuesday evening. We don't have a finalized time yet because it depends on what happens in a couple of the other series. Uh, Lakers and Lakers Suns and a Brooklyn Boston will define when we get when we get uh the sort of if they need to push this game back to an 8:30 local start in Denver basically if they need a west coast game despite Denver not being particularly close to the Pacific Ocean but uh Tuesday night's huge like right like they're all huge but this is this they're perpetually the biggest games of the season and the Blazers showed what they can be in game 4 uh this was this was I think this was close to their peak in terms of what you can expect from all non-Dames and Dame was straight up not good on offense, not good shooting the ball. And like, you got to think that if they can coax something similar to this out of Nurk and if they can keep Powell engaged and aggressive and if CJ can continue to be, uh, you know, sort of more towards the CJ he was in game four versus game three box score aside and Dame just has a normal Dame night that, that you got to feel good about where the Blazers are. This was kind of what you thought this might be, right? Is that the Blazers were going to test Gordon and Compazzo and Rivers and say, I don't think we're going to lose with those guys making a bunch of shots. And they combined to shoot four for 12 from three. That's not terrible, but that's probably good enough to live by. Um, you're going to get better games from Jokic. You're going to probably get a better game from MPJ, but you're probably going to get a better game from Dame, which means game five, the big word that we always finish with, and this is what I'll close the show on, it's pretty pivotal. It's pivotal. It's pretty pivotal. It's a pivotal game. I think it's probably going to be pivotal and it'll be pivotal for the series. The series might even pivot on what happens in game five. It was Nurk and Norm and a whole bunch of help around those guys in game four. I can't wait to see what game five brings. Because of a Tuesday game, we will have a regularly scheduled mailbag Monday. So send if you're listening to this uh, right after it posts or you're just thinking of it later later in the week, uh, send me questions at Mike G. Rich on Twitter or LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. I will record our mailbag Monday show as I typically do on a Monday evening and post it on Tuesday ahead of Game 5, pivotal Game 5 at that. Uh, tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.